0: Hello innovators, welcome back to The Innovation Intern with your host, Emily. If you've been missing me these past couple of days, just a reminder that I am going to be interviewing DJ Hay tomorrow and the interview should be up either tomorrow night or on Thursday night. I'm really excited to talk to her about her story as a blind trance DJ and the kind of technology that she uses to be able to do it. She's really passionate passionate and dedicated and this is her dream to become an amazing DJ that plays all of the headliners. And just from talking to her a little bit, I have confidence that she can get there. So join me on my next episode that will feature her and our interview. I'll try to keep it under half an hour, preferably shorter, but we'll see if we get a little bit off track or if we start some good discussion. In the meantime, tonight I should be uploading a regular show with two little stories, whether it's news or personal stories. And I hope to see you all back here in a little while. Also, a reminder for my interview if you have any questions that you want me to ask DJ Hay during our interview, please call in and let me know or tweet me at NotablyEmily on Twitter, and I will definitely cue those up for you and have DJ Hay answer them. All right, now on to our regularly scheduled programming so first story for today something I thought was more incremental innovation but still pretty cool because it has to deal with user experience and driving so everyone is aware of Tesla's autopilot feature how it can drive the car for you and you don't even have to touch the wheel. Scary or cool, whatever side you're on, you can see how the trajectory of self-driving cars is. Picking up speed. And other car companies have a answer to this. So self-driving is not anything new anymore. It was a pretty big innovation, but now everyone's kind of used to it. However, there's still this issue with self driving cars, especially ones that use autopilot features like Tesla, which is what people call the handoff problem. A car driving itself is pretty cool, and Tesla's autopilot feature uses cameras, radars, and onboard computers to detect lanes, other vehicles. And objects in the road, steering is needed. This is pretty interesting because it may be safer for people, but when the car experiences something that it can't distinguish, if there's an emergency or if a person wants to regain control of the car, there's this awkward part where you regain control and that's the handoff problem. So you're supposed to have your hands on the steering wheel still and still be aware of what's going on around you, but that disengage from the autopilot feature and back into regular driving is still kind of awkward and unsafe. The problem with semi-autonomy Is that you still need to be aware of what's going on around you and this is mitigated a little bit by Tesla and Mercedes which uh, make you give the steering wheel a little bit of a nudge um, every so often to make sure you're paying attention or have your hands on the wheel the, the entire time but this is tricky because you could disengage it just by moving the steering wheel too much so some companies cut the people out altogether and just want to go straight to autonomous because this awkward half and half is too, too complicated. So um, Ford is one of those companies, Google's Waymo is another company that have given up on personal autonomy and just want to go full autonomy. But Tesla, Mercedes, and now Cadillac are all in the semi-autonomy game. And the Super Cruise, which is arriving in GM's company flagship CT-6 sedan later this year, renders you pretty much irrelevant on any divided highway in the U.S. and they make sure that you pay attention. How do they make sure you pay attention to the road? even? when it's basically driving for you. You might be tempted to look at your phone or look away, talk to the person next to you, take a nap, (laughs) but you can't in the Cadillac with Super Cruise engaged. They call it the first truly hands-free driving system. So they have three layers of notifications and alerts to make sure that you're paying attention and that you don't look away for too long. The first layer is there is a infrared camera on the steering wheel that tracks the position of your head and make sure that you're looking forward and paying attention to the road still even if your hands are off the wheel. They want you to be aware and looking out the windshield so that you know what's going on. And if you look left, right or down, preferably probably at your phone, For more than a few seconds, the green light bar and the steering wheel along the top will flash at you. And the faster you're going, the shorter time span you have to look away. If you keep ignoring that flashing light, maybe you don't see it, maybe you're trying to take a nap, the seat will actually vibrate and you'll hear a chime so now you have visual, auditory, and like physical alerts going off saying like, hey pay attention, wake up, don't look away. If you're colorblind too, the red lights actually flash at a different speed than the green ones so you know if you're in trouble based on how fast it's going. If you ignore all of these warning signs, the car will turn on its four ways, it will slow to a stop and it'll summon on Star and connect you with someone uh, to talk to you to make sure that you're okay and you didn't, uh, you know, get into an accident or have an emergency or something. That's pretty neat. It, only works on divided highways in the US and Canada, and it actually mapped out all of these highways themselves. So this isn't some secondary de- data that they're using, this is their data. Personally I really like Cadillac. My family is a General Motors family, my mom has a Cadillac, and it's really nice. Seeing that they're going to unveil this feature, I'm not surprised at some kind of semi-autonomous system, but I am surprised at how much thought went into the user experience and the communication between the car and the driver. There isn't as much of an awkward handoff, and there's a better chance that the person will pay attention if there's tons of cues and chimes and things happening to make sure that they pay attention. The only thing I don't like about this is, maybe you'll disagree with me and I'd love to hear your point, but what's the point? Yes, it's cool that it can it can track the, the position of your head to make sure you're still paying attention and it rumbles and it does all this stuff, but if I still have to pay attention to the road, what's the point? What's the difference between me driving and the car driving? Maybe it's a little bit less stressful. Sure, but I still have to use all that mental capacity to pay attention. I can't do anything else. I can't text or watch a movie or uh, play video games or take a nap. Like, it's not... It's semi-autonomous. It's not autonomous. I don't know. Maybe if someone travels a lot and they'll put their phone right up into their line of view so that it'll still look like they're paying attention but an infrared signal says that it's says that you're looking forward and it's all good but you're not actually paying attention. Like I don't know how many people would use this. I don't know if it's really solving a problem. And I don't know if it's worth it. To go halfway. I feel like if you're gonna go autonomous, you go full autonomy. We're not there yet from a technological standpoint, a safety standpoint, a legal standpoint. uh, We're not there yet, but maybe we should be waiting instead of (laughs) taking this half step. I would like to know if any of you would use it truly. I don't know if I would. Maybe if I drove on highways a lot, but I can't really see myself using it. And it's only on the highways, too, so it's not like, you know, it's gonna work on your regular 80 kilometer back roads that we have here in Canada all over the place. It'll work on the 401 or the QEW or whatever, which is cool. But not everywhere. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. This second story was kind of surprising to me, and I still don't really know if it would work. You'll have to tell me. If you're like me, though, you love dogs. And I've never had a dog, my parents never let me get one, because it was a lot of work. And I've wanted one so badly for so long. And then I lived with one last year while I was renting a room. And I think my parents are right. I don't know if right now, as a 21-year-old, who's moving all over the place, if a dog is the best idea. So I've always said that. When I get a pet, I want to be able to commit to it for the entirety of its life and be able to give it a good home and not just have it be something temporary. But for people who are looking to make that extra step and adopt a dog, there's no real way for them to kind of beta test that and make sure that it would work for them and their family. Enter the AI dog that lives in your Google Home Yeah, you heard me right. It's an AI dog that lives in your Google Home. So this is a project uh, by Victor Videncourt together with business partner Lyra Rivas. Viedencourt is an associate creative director at D.S. Day. They gave Lola, the AI dog, a life by doing all the copy writing for it. And essentially how it works is instead of sending text to your phone like other um, similar ideas where it would simulate having a dog, the AI will speak things out of the Google Home periodically about what a dog would actually be doing in the house. So everything from peeing on the carpet, to chasing a butterfly, to wanting to cuddle and play with you. To being grumpy and trying to sleep. It's all voiced through the Google Home. This is a thing that was created to be partnered with Dallas Pets Alive, which is an organization that helps homeless dogs find forever homes. So, they're not doing it for fun, and they're not doing it to sell something. They're doing it because they want to increase the number of people who are willing to adopt dogs by making them fall in love with this ai dog lola and then they need to have the real thing and they know that it will work for them in their lives i think what they're doing is amazing the fact that they want to have more dogs be adopted into households and having this as a possible gateway is a great unexpected use of the Google Home. I just don't know if it will work. Maybe I'm being cynical today. I, I don't know. Uh, having your Google Home talk to you about a an invisible dog that lives in your house, I don't know if that's going to convince you to adopt one. And you have to be home to be able to hear all of these voice commands, and part of being a dog owner is being outside of the house, like blocking them, making sure you don't leave them for too long, training them, all of those big responsibilities that go along with it. And I don't know if Lola goes over those things or not but I would hope so and if it doesn't then they're missing a really big part about having a dog. It's really important that a dog is well trained especially if there's kids in the house but even just in general for your sake, for the dog's sake, for everybody around you and you can't really replicate that with an AI. But if it makes people interested in adopting, maybe they could foster before they take the complete plunge and adopt a dog. I don't know. Um, Have you used this before? Is this something that you would try? Do you think it will cover everything? Um, I think it will have some kind of an impact. I just hope it's the right one. Nevertheless, this is some pretty cool tech, and I'm interested to hear about what you think about both of these stories, the Super Cruise and Lola the AI dog. (laughs) I have a lot of fun reporting these stories to you guys, giving you my take on them, hearing your responses. This is something that I look forward to after work every day, and... I'm excited to see what you have to say about this one because usually I'm really excited about the things that I talk about and I'm all for them. This time, I don't know, not so much. But maybe you can convince me. So call in and let me know what you think. And I'll be happy to post it and respond as always. If you do decide to call in, just to let you know. I will probably end up posting it after the interview that I'm posting tomorrow with DJ Hay. I want to keep it all focused on the interview tomorrow and then later in the week I'll probably pick back up and do my regular segment of two bite-sized stories and of course responding to all of your wonderful call-ins from my favorite people here on anchor and anyone else listening i appreciate you guys tuning in i hope you enjoyed yourselves and i will see you tomorrow see you later innovators